This is a podcast about time. The time it takes to become an artisan. Heritage. Saving to buy something you'll keep forever. Sustainability. Memories attached to clothing that you've loved and lived in. Interiors. And the longevity of friendship. To us, the true definition of luxury. I'm Lynn Coleman. Join me and my friend Jill Brown as we chat about what makes vintage so special. Welcome to A Guide to Luxury, Season 2. A Girl's Guide to London. Our country's biggest playground is connected by a magic roundabout. London's heartbeat loops locals around its underground carousel, conjoining all of its glorious boroughs. The diversity of people, ethnicities, cultures, food and fashion, architecture and history, along with its nightlife, is enough to keep any soul captivated for three lifetimes, and I would happily devote my time here on Earth to navigate it. Due to its sheer diversity, the City of London should be tackled a little differently. Instead of highlighting my top three stores, I'll be divulging my top three districts for all things vintage, shouting out my hotspots as I go. This way I can maximise your shopping intake. Now who's going to argue with that? Three is my magic number. That's why sex, drugs and rock and roll go so well together. It's why you wouldn't find snap without either crackle or pop. And it's most definitely the reason behind the success of Alvin, Simon and Theodore. A trip to London isn't complete without a peek around my three top spots. That's Portobello, Brick Lane and Camden. First up, let's go to Portobello. Portobello Road, Notting Hill. Picture perfect in every way is Portobello Road on market day. Submerged in popular culture from cult TV classics such as Bargain Hunt to film royalty in Bedknobs and Broomsticks, this place is all you dream of. It will be and a little bit more. When the market is in full swing over the weekend, there's no better place to be. It is one of the most authentically pleasing parts of London to wander around and it's most certainly the prettiest place to part with your pennies. Fashion stalls spread the length of the street, stashed in sporadic order down the strip. So if you are a devout shopper, be sure to put your walking boots on. True to its bohemian nature, stalls are fluid and ever-changing, but there are a couple of pitches that you can count on that will always be open on market day. Now, what I want to do, Jill, is take us, you and I, into Portobello, but I want us to do it through native eyes. So I'm going to open my little black book and um, make a confession. There's a woman I've had a giant girl crush on for the longest time, ever since I could open a fashion magazine. It kind of feels like Natalie Hartley is someone that has just been on the pages of these magazines for as long as I could remember. And Natalie used to be the fashion director at InStyle, just as I was starting to become a journalist and when I went into the paper. And so it kind of felt like a little bit of synergy when I saw her take over the pages of InStyle. What Natalie did there was just really, really exciting. And her eye for clothing was something that I'd never really seen before in fashion mags. Because, you know, you kind of get that that idea that a fashion mag needs to look a certain way. She brought a, a kind of gritty coolness to it that always had a little bit of vintage injected into it. And then she went on to, to work at Glamour. I reached out to her because I saw on Instagram that she was setting up a vintage store with a friend of hers. And so I just messaged her and was like, do you want to come on and and talk to us about the vintage store and take us around Portobello? And she said yes. Woohoo! I know. Okay, how did you two meet? 
Um, we had a very random um, kind of fated moment. Both our kids started their first term of school in September last year. Um, and they became best friends. And Tiggy, my daughter, kept going on about Lenny this, Lenny that, I want to hang out with her, do a play date, blah, blah. And so we kind of found who the parents were. And this is then Lydia. <laughs> and basically, um, yeah, we sort of had a first play date with the kids and we started talking and we're both stylists and we kind of bonded over that and we were started talking about all sorts of stuff. And then Lydia told me about her room of clothes and all pre-love clothing. And we did our second play date where I came over to have a look at what the uh, clothes slash, looked Slash like. business me too. <laughs> and um, yeah, and from that, two weeks later, we decided to set up a business together. Yeah. No messing about. It took us a decade. I love that you guys did it really quickly. <laughs> you you guys are both separately stylists. Uh, Natalie, you worked in uh, print and magazines, but Lydia, you were in... Well, like short films, music videos. For a long time, I was a retail stylist. So I'd, I'd actually worked in retail for a long time, styling and selling clothes. That's how I kind of moved out to being a stylist. Because when I was a mum, you, you know, I just couldn't go back to work working 45 hours a week in retail. And I found that styling was um, another way to have that kind of outlet. So that's where I moved into that that direction with my career. But even with that, I didn't take it on full time because I have children. So, you know, just fit it in. So, yeah, retail stylist and magazine stylist. Mm-hmm. And actually, what, what about you? Your journey started where? Uh, well, initially uh, from fashion, I started out freelance and sort of done a full circle. And yeah, assisted lots of different people. I worked in PR actually even to start with where you first find out about that job. And then it moves into freelance. And then I got a job fairly late on for like a stereotypical assistant or doing work for free as um, an intern. (laughs) Exactly. I laid down the line. And uh, when the magazine thing happened, my first job was at a fashion assistant at Elle. And then that led to Sunday Time Style, uh, in style, glamour, where I kind of ended my magazine kind of career as fashion director there. I remember this because the editor of InStyle was someone when I was working or just about to start working at the Scotsman. Aileen McCaskill was your editor and she's she's amazing she's just amazing and so yeah. I remember when Ailey went to InStyle I remember how much she changed the magazine from it kind of being this stuffy almost kind of imitation of what the American one was like and then you came on board and it was just inc- I remember looking at the pages and being so inspired like oh my god this is brilliant but how long ago was that oh my god they were going probably eight years ago maybe longer something like that yeah. uh yeah, no, Ailey brought on a whole new team of people and new creative and new everything. And we all were on board to change the direction. But yeah, it was in a tough time when magazines were really having a tough time. And so whatever direction you're changing things in, it was so hard because to actually sell a magazine in the end, didn't matter what you were doing to it, it's just difficult. But industry-wise and from the outset for the readers, they all seemed to love what we were doing. And it was fun. It was nice to be able to kind of mold and change something that was so known for a certain way I think that's one of the hard things and Jill and I have spoken about this across the podcast that that world of being creative and you both will have felt it that everybody thinks that everybody's loaded and you're all living the life of Riley and 
in the first podcast, we were talking about the night that I went to the Metier Dirt show at Chanel, the first one that I was ever invited to and the last one that I'll ever be invited to because that's just how it works. So going there, but being driven back to a tiny one bedroom flat with mice running around, having yeah. rubbed shoulders with Carolyn, the, the great and good. But I can imagine that that's what you guys have, have encountered and particularly being in London where it's really bloody tough. You know, like rent is expensive, travel is expensive. So to hear that, I, but I understand the styling point of view of, of, of having to buy clothes and just keep and retain them. How the hell do you do that in London where you, you know, there's space is not at a premium. It's not like you've got, you know, 10 rooms that you could just, oh, I'll shove, I'll shove in the East Wing. That's, I'll be yeah. fine. Well, we were talking about this yesterday, weren't we? Because I'm, I'm very streamlined <laughs> and I basically get rid I kind of keep things for a long time and um, my wardrobe is quite minimal and Lydia's probably <laughs> total. <laughs> Luckily, I'm lucky. I, I have a, a really decent space where I live. I, I rent from friends, so I'm really lucky to have that space and I, and I do have a bit of extra space in this house where I've been able to store stuff. But over the years, I think I've just kept things in boxes. I've lived and slept amongst thousands and thousands of items you know and you just kind of it becomes part of the family so it doesn't matter you love that item so much it's like there's room there's always room for another jacket in the wardrobe (laughs) you know I actually have two coat stands one in my bedroom one in the hallway and yeah I just have a lot of clothes but they're all it's really hard to decide what which one's better than the other so you just end up keeping everything so I've basically learned to live with a lot of clothes especially when it's pre-loved clothing because I think yeah. you know that that's one-off pieces one you're not going to find that again and you don't want to let that go because mm. you might never know when you might want it you know fashions are changing so quickly and it's like yeah everything comes around goes around mm. but and also you you just know that you're onto something yeah and it's special. my and it's a passion of mine so it's it you know I, I actually actively go out not looking for one item but seeing what I can find and I do really see beauty in, in a lot of clothes especially with like pre-love stuff when it's like a one-off and I think as well just having a little bit of a creative background like costume and stuff I always find something and it wouldn't relatively be anybody's taste but I'll like this is what you can do with this so I always find something to do with like a piece of clothing yeah you might not see it straight away but then I'll be like this is amazing and people are like really and then you put it on or do something with it and then it's and then it becomes it. yeah it becomes an amazing piece yeah. especially like granny shirts like I'm obsessed with granny shirts and everyone's like oh my god what's that and I'm like a granny shirt <laughs> a velvet granny shirt and I'm gonna wear it out to your 40th you know <laughs> and you'll want it yeah and you'll want it and they do and, and they do thing. yeah and it's the storytelling aspect of clothing too isn't it I think that people forget that when things are being designed and then when they end up on the back of someone that that creates a whole story itself and you can you, you know you can have a play and have fun and that's exactly what you t- you two have been doing as, as stylists you've been making little stories and and the imagery speaks for itself doesn't it absolutely and you don't have to be totally 
vintage, totally pre-loved, totally, it can be like a, a little bit of everything. You know, it's just about reusing what you've got. And also if you are out there shopping and looking for pre-loved things and you think, oh, this is too much. I don't want to wear everything pre-loved. You can just find one amazing item and then take it home and wear it with all your black items or, you know, if you only wear denim or whatever it is that you're into and, and change your whole wardrobe. It's, a, it's also about having fun with clothes, I think, as well, right? Absolutely. The main you know, thing enjoying is having it. fun and enjoying it. Exactly. Yeah. And we want to inspire people. That's the whole reason we've set this up too, to exactly what Lydia was saying. Mm. Show people how you can wear it. Don't reject it. And also don't look at a label either. It's about the piece of clothing and enjoy wearing that piece of clothing. Don't care where it's come from. Like we were having a discussion of like, do we cut labels out of clothes? Because you're looking at a piece and you love it. But maybe if it comes in and it's like an old St. Michael's from back in the day, you're suddenly like, oh, I don't know if I like that anymore. Yet based on what that label says it is, does that matter anymore? It's about how you wear that piece, what you want to do with that piece. And that should be it, basically. And that's why we're also quite into the pre-love thing. It's not mm. just about designer clothing, yeah. uh, making designer look good. In the end of the day, exactly that. We're all, especially after COVID, poorer than we probably would have been. <laughs> and who can really afford to go and buy a uh, vintage Gucci and and even want to. Like, it's not about the label. It's about finding an amazing piece that you love that you can have fun with. So you guys have set this up and I discovered it uh, just by chance on Instagram. Thank God for Instagram. So you guys are going to start selling the pieces that you've obviously collected over the years. Take me through, because we've had a lot of people that have been really interested in this process of how you get your stock, where you source it from, what it is that you gravitate towards and then how do you sell it It, it, exactly like you're saying in this covid world how are you going to get it out there and and that's exciting too but you've got a retail background and you've got a press background surely this has got to be a match made in heaven hopefully yeah we feel like it's a bit yin and yang don't we like we both come at it from totally opposite ends but it works because for example i'm doing the instagram side of things i'm selling our stuff through that and Lydia's focusing on the Depop side of things. And together, we're both kind of experienced, I guess, in that side very well each. Mm. Um, so, yeah, so ultimately, initially, we're starting off selling off our own stuff and we've been buying along the way. But obviously, COVID stopped us from being able to really do that at the moment. Um, but then once that all starts back up, we know that we want to kind of start streamlining our business into specializing in maybe certain products as well yeah jackets and dresses and things that people kind of key pieces I guess that kind of make your business a bit more focused on something but at the minute we're sort of selling off things giving people inspiration like Lydia said before of how to wear them um so that's basically we shoot it on ourselves everything's all done ourselves so Mm. I'm doing my own selfies, mm. heads are cropped out, wearing the clothes. We're sort of styling them, but also showing the individual piece. Um, the styling side will come from Instagram where we're putting up like inspiring pieces. Um, and then on Depop, which is our sort of shop front for now until our website's built, is basically showing the actual piece. But on stories, we're kind of trying to show people how you wear that piece on us and other people along the way. We want to be all inclusive to everyone. All the pieces are for all sizes, male, female, it doesn't matter who anyone is. It's just for everyone to see. Um, But obviously we haven't got loads of money to be able to be like, oh, let's get 
this size model and that person and this person it sort of like has to start with us for now the thing that really um drew me when I found you and in style and then followed you through into glamour was that I loved those pieces where you were doing your column and it was a visual column and I could see you in the item and you know it just everything completely made sense I could look at that outfit and be like oh my god that is the coolest thing in the whole entire world and I I I could see how I could do it and it wasn't as scary as seeing Naomi with that look on you know it was it was exactly that so no I think that that is I think it's really really savvy thing to do and you know to take that aesthetic and wind it through the business to show people exactly what to do because you're right I think a lot of people get stuck in a vintage bubble you know I've got friends that will only shop for for things from the 70s or only shop from for Frank Usher or or, or you know they, they home in on a, a thing but actually you could blow it out and, and exactly like you're saying just take one piece of vintage one piece of high street and one piece of of really old couture that you you might have invested in once you know and then that creates your whole look exactly and everyone wants to be responsible and sustainable now a little bit more than they ever have done I think that ticks those boxes too um, but again that's everyone's decision and we don't want to ram that down people's throats so we're not marketing ourselves as being like oh be a responsible shopper and blah blah what everyone's talking about it's like if you want to be that person come to us great we're not going to push you into it we're not going to make you feel guilty about it it's just we are a pre-loved online store right now and enjoy it and it's colorful and it should be inviting and that's the other thing we wanted it to be not boring loud shouting about fun fashion and yeah wearing our own stuff taking our own pictures doing everything from marketing to graphic design (laughs) to everything (laughs) preaching to the choir there we've gone from a writer and a tv producer to podcast producers and audio engineers and so only I think that's actually what's been really one of the very few good things about COVID and things you, you just have to why not the world is set up now tech is set up now that you, it's hard it's time consuming we were messaging each other the other day because we were both crying Lynn couldn't get the website to work and I couldn't get the editing software to work she was like I've been crying for half an hour and I was like I'm so pleased to hear that because I've been crying too <laughs> we're very supportive of each other's tears 100% that you feel proud that we're sat here achieving all these things in a situation which can be quite full-on. It has been full-on for everyone. No matter what the story is, it's been a mad year Mm. and you have got to make the best of it. And that's what we're all doing, right? Fighting our corner and just thinking, I'm not going to let this get me down. And there's been amazing COVID stories out there. There have been. It's like, it's not all doom and gloom. There has been some amazing things happen on the back of it as well. The, The images were what drew me in. Because, you know, we're sitting here and we are on our our screens much more than we ever have been. But also when I'm seeing people putting things up and posting things, I'm like, I want to go and put that dress on and sit and take a picture because I'm not going anywhere. And then you go, oh, no, that's really vain. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do anything with it. And then I think, do you know what? Who cares? That is our drinks out, isn't it? Mm -hmm. That is the going to meet your friend or... You know, and so yeah, I I think that there is there's there's going to be a lot of love for that, and then moving your business forward, yeah, it's, it's I'm really excited to see how vintage will take that next step in being sold online because it's not quite 
there yet. You know, you've got a lot, a ton of vintage stores that have a ton of vintage stock that can't physically get shot for websites. And I would, I would hear that 10 years ago when I wrote this book. You know, they're like, oh, we're not really focused on putting it online because it would just, it would be another full-time job. And so you can understand that completely. But yeah, now it seems like they're, while, while the doors are shut, that that absolutely is the, the place to be. Absolutely. And there's so many, I and mean, we've got so many ideas and we yeah. want to be doing private appointments and little parties as well once COVID stops the, uh, well, the, the rules stop, should I say, but it's um, that we kind of go around and have like, get your friends together and let's do some fun evenings and do a bit of vintage shopping, but let's all hang out and celebrate the end of lockdown and yeah, and enjoy it and constantly be advocating fun. Yeah. yeah. And also like not for, for like, you know, people our age, mums, you know, like why exactly. not dress up on the school run? Why is it that like your kids go to school? So now you have to give up dressing and it's like, oh, I've got kids or I'm too old or where am I going? It's like every moment should be you're going somewhere. So like have fun with getting dressed up. It's kind of like being a kid, but being an adult where you know, you look at your clothes and you just kind of go, all right, today's Monday, I feel like this, or I'm going to be this person, you know, or I'm going to, Tuesday, it's like leggings day, but I'm going to wear a giant mohair with a yoga outfit. You know, anything goes, really. It's just about being a bit more playful and in a way so that you kind of get some happiness from dressing up, I suppose. I think what pre-love does is it's, I think that's the key now, is no one cares about these trends anymore. It's not about that. It's about being you, enjoying being you, not being embarrassed or scared to wear something that someone might be like, oh, is that a bit like old fashioned or it's not really on trend? It's like, who cares? That doesn't exist anymore. How does it make you feel? Yeah, exactly. It's kind of exactly that. And like even um, some vintage shops are saying that they've seen like young girls coming in there and the mum's going, oh, well, it's not really a trendy thing right now. And the girls are going, well, I don't care. And it's like, how nice is that, that these young kids are not caring, and hopefully a lot of them, not caring what people think anymore. Mm-hmm. Going out there and having their own style. And that is what I think vintage brings to the table, pre-love brings to the table. It's just being yourself and not really worrying anymore what people think. Yeah, we've spoken to so many people, obviously, through the joy of this podcast. And, and that's the thing is that, the sort of theme that comes out about everybody who got into vintage at a relatively young age was, I just didn't want to look like everybody else. And I think that's a big thing that we've definitely noticed because we started this in August. People are thinking about where their stuff comes from and they are also thinking about spending a little bit more money. I think people like ASOS and Topshop have struggled because we've not been going out on a Saturday night. There's not been that rush for what am I going to wear? Uh, I'll just buy this dress from Topshop or ASOS. And so I think people started to realise that they've got a little bit more in their bank account. So maybe I'll buy something that I'll wear more than once it's fascinating that what might come out of this or what might be exacerbated by covid is not wanting to look like everybody else which is lovely yeah exactly and any age all ages because i think everyone does get stuck in a rut a bit and they're a bit it's about what people think of them they just are and you want to try and break down those barriers and i think with especially in the fashion industry what's been happening and with the effect that this year's had on it it's allowing that to happen at a really accelerated speed, I think. I'm going to care less and just want to go out and have some fun. Like, we can't wait for tomorrow's school run yeah. and literally get dressed up. And you're like, let's sell our clothes off our own backs, basically. Yeah. <laughs> and that's another angle as well. Like, we, we love wearing it. We do wear it all the time. We're going to go out and basically if someone wants to buy the jacket off our back, they can buy it. 
<laughs> exactly. It's really exactly. interesting. Um, a really good friend of mine, and we really hope to feature her on the podcast, is based in Holland, just outside Amsterdam. And she had this genius idea. So she has a cafe. Um, but uh, everything in the cafe from the seats that you sit on or whatever is vintage and everything that people wear is vintage but everything is for sale you can buy the seat you're sitting on or the, the weight cup of dress tea. yeah or yeah. or the bone china cup or and it's such a genius idea yeah and this is one of our goals funny enough and it's something like obviously future down the line but it's uh, there was a place in new york that was called the apartment and i think it's gone now but it's exactly that but it was for brand new clothes brand new everything and it was beautifully done and they like decorated it all it was just stunning but everything in there the bath or whatever was all for sale yeah it's gonna be beautiful if it's gone because they sold the house (laughs) the the, the ultimate poetic nothing left yeah it's done they didn't restock it was gone (laughs) it's so good when we can travel so the the when the book first came out 10 years ago, I was lucky enough to go and basically city hop around 15 cities within like six month period to do the book. And then I would talk to people about their favourite places to eat and shop and all that kind of stuff. So when this is all over, ladies, where do you go and shop in London? I can speak for Lydia and I know she's going to go first thing when the shops are open to her local charity shop. <laughs> yeah, just everywhere. I think it's like you just... When you do this for a living, even as a hobby, every moment is like you're searching. You don't even sometimes realise that you're searching. You just find it. And I just have that eye where I can see things. Like people don't, I go shopping with friends and they're like, how did you find that? But I'm talking to them and I've already seen seen 10 things in the room that I'm going to go and pick up after they've finished speaking, you know. And it's, it's a constant thing. So there's no one particular place. You're just constantly finding things of value Mm. you know Lydia lives and breathes this side of the business so yeah basically yeah I've been training (laughs) (laughs) for your whole life and it's uh, it just comes very naturally to me wherever I go but even when I go on holiday I'm always in the the flea markets vintage shops this is like I live and breathe this so for me this year it only made sense that I would do this for a living because I go to Barcelona I come back with a suitcase of clothes I go to LA I'm doing all the bins all the vintage all the flea markets everything Mm. so um there's not one particular place it's just I'm just yeah live and breathe it so yeah but I think for people that are bargain hunting or wanting to find something like a gem places like car boot sales are amazing to source through depends on what level people want to buy from like we're obviously looking for something different when we're starting Mm. a business like this to what someone else might be prepared to pay for something but we're not looking in those bigger obvious places like the places that we love to shop and not really where we're sourcing stuff from so it's a big difference for us even in London we would probably go to those car boot mm. sales or the charity shops and those sort of things and other big warehouses yeah. that we know of it's not really going to our favorite places that we would go yeah. and buy a secondhand piece and it from. doesn't suit everyone you know it, it is hard work yeah. you know you have to really it's it's not like oh you found something and why would you charge that or, you know, everything, it takes a lot of skill and a lot of hard work. And then, you know, even when you, once you've bought the item, you have to wash it, dry, clean it, clean it, fix mm-hmm. it. Da, da. You know, it's a, you really have to love what you're doing because it's not just like, oh, wow, I found this one piece. I'm going to resell it. It's, you know, you find it and then the works that, you know, it takes a lot of work to find it. And then once you find it, you still have a certain amount of work to do afterwards to make sure that it's at a certain standard where somebody else 
can just buy it and wear it. Well, we, we we have a, a, a my really good friend here who used to be the fashion editor at the Daily Record up here. Um, and we spoke to her a couple of weeks ago on the podcast. Her name's Meryl. And we, we discussed exactly that, that that's the point in the price point, that if you want to go to a car boot sale and spend a pound, then yeah. you have to go and do that work. But if you want yeah. to walk into somebody's shop and they're paying the rent on that property, they're paying the rates on that property, they're paying for the flight to LA, like you just said, to go rooting around for stock. There's a reason why the price point is that. And I think actually now more than ever, people really understand that. That's not, I don't think that that's a, a, a barrier point for anybody. I think people really understand now that something costs something at each point in the cycle. Yeah. And so, yeah, yeah, you're right. The 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 bargain of going to that car boot sale at 6am. Are you going to get up on your Sunday and do that? No, you're not. But will you come into your shop and, and buy the dress at blah? Yeah. yeah, you probably would. Exactly. And that's why the online store now is important because people probably can't be bothered and people are time poor. And especially as like we were saying, maybe marketing towards people that are our sort of ages. Um, every, most Some people have got other responsibilities that they need to do or you're working or whatever it is. And so this is the perfect way to mm. do it now. Also encouragement. People need encouragement. You know, not everyone's brave enough to feel like they are, I don't know, some, you know, whether they're at the right age or attractive enough, the right shape, boobs are too big, boobs are too small, you know, all this kind of, everyone's always got like body, everyone's body conscious, I think, you know. Sometimes people just need a little bit of encouragement to to wear certain things. And I think that's what we're also trying to do is mm. just say like, it doesn't matter what shape, size, how old you are, what gender you are, you know, you can wear this as loud as you want or as you know basic as you want exactly. but you you ha- you know go for it like and that's what we want to try and do is just encourage people to I don't know be brave I think be have brave, fun man. have fun like be brave have fun it's, and be responsible at the same and time and it's so rewarding <laughs> you know once you get over that barrier of like oh I can't do this because I'm too short or too tall you know once you get over that and then you buy that item and you put it on and you know I, I know it does make people happy oh it makes it can an outfit can completely lift your mood it can com- totally change how you're feeling and I think push once you push past that barrier I'm gonna wear a peacock feather yes. you know or like big pat butcher earrings or exactly. you know just anything and I think once you I think that's the 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 reward is like pushing past those boundaries and also I think fashion is put on you as well because you have to look a certain way be sophisticated be smart age you know oh you get to a certain age you can't do this or yeah. I just think we just want to teach people to push their boundaries with clothes and yeah so that's why you connect with them but also that's why the person-to-person appointments are important because if people are a bit nervous of it we want to offer our styling advice yeah. and show people personally how to wear it I think that's also equally important and then those people once they've been with you met you done this whole shop with you they'll probably be with you for however long you're open for because I think you then build up loyal customers they trust you they trust your advice and they know that the stock you're giving is 100% and yeah they can always people can get in touch with us also and speak to us personally it's we're very accessible in that way it's so nice because I think you know I'm spoiled and that my friend for almost 15 years is a stylist you know so I've got I've got her on speed dial. I can be like, yeah, should what? I wear this? Should I buy this? Should I not? And she it, just she abuses my wardrobe and takes things for fancy dress. Yeah. And rude. My other friends who are not mutual friends are like, 
you're really lucky. And I suppose that's what you're offering, isn't it? It's, it's that idea of having that relationship with someone who will know you and know what you're like and know what your, your comfort zone is and how far to push you out your comfort zone. And that's a conversation we often have. Not everyone is lucky that, you know, they fall in love with and get an amazing friend who also happens to be a stylist. So I think it's so lovely that that's something people could get from you. It's not done within the pre-loved vintage world, really. So it's done, matches, nets, all of those. They have their style advisors. If you go into Topshop, you had a style advisor. But no one's really style advising you on vintage pre-loved clothing, secondhand clothing, thrifting. It's like there's a grey area there, basically, that no one's really touching. I I completely agree. You know, with all clothes, there's something for everyone, you know, and everything's changeable as well with clothes. That's a good thing. It's like, okay, this jacket suits you, but you don't like the shoulder pads take them out yeah them out like you know I take shoulder pads out of all my jackets and you know it never stops me from buying a jacket you can change the buttons you can take things up you know everything is changeable and there's something for everyone and that's what I think people don't realize about vintage is that everyone has always been different shapes sizes Mm. big small tall short you know not fast fashion doesn't just offer that facility vintage has got a variation you just don't know how to find it and also people are worried about vintage not fitting but another service that we're going to do especially on private one-on-one appointments is bringing a seamstress that can deliver it to you so that that jacket might be too big well we can change it the trousers too short we'll change it so people can enjoy buying it and feel like no who everyone hates it you buy a pair of trousers they're too long for you you know you want to take them up you yeah. never do it you never get around to it ever exactly so it's a waste so people are then worried especially with vintage not to go down that road and so what we want to offer is that we can change it all for yeah. you there and then basically we have sarah murray up here who um is always winning drapers awards she's got a boutique called jane davidson and that's yeah. exactly what they do she she took it off of her mum her mum started it in the 60s it's based up here in edinburgh she would come down to london and go to paris in the 60s and bring up ozzy clark and all these really cool brands and then see done the exact same thing for our generation so she was the, the first stockist and only stockist in scotland of air dem at one point and she does dress and all that kind of stuff but that's absolutely what she does Mm-hmm. When she sees pieces that she's buying, she knows who that's going on. And then she knows the body shape. And she's, if you're going to get this, we'll send it to the tailors before it even, you know, before you leave. Right. You know, you're not leaving with it until it fits the body the way that it should. Right. And I think that that for, for vintage, because people are like, oh, oh, I don't know how to do that. And also we want to become consultants for people. Like if people love and they really want to buy into this whole pre-loved thrifting idea, they haven't got the time again we can actually be those people that are sourcing for them personally. So that, again, if you want to be a more responsible shopper and buy into that side of things, you can do. And if you haven't got the time for it, we'll go out and do it for you. So Mm. once we get to know you, we can then go out and constantly source for you and be showing you stuff on a regular basis. So build up again, building up these relationships with people that, again, vintage just doesn't have. And so when everything does get back to normal and you guys are down Portobello and the, the dream is happening, where do you eat and drink? So you've, you've done a wee bit of shopping, then you're needing to rest before the next place. Where would you eat and drink? Well, we're, uh, well it depends. If we're doing takeaway for home... <laughs> Oh my god! For our food, our, basically our food for we, lunch. It's so weird. We actually like all the same things to eat. We <laughs> eat the same. It's like condiments, cheese, 
pita bread or sourdough. So Goldbourne Road has a good selection of amazing deli kind of stuff. Deli kind of stuff, but kind of from the original sources. So like Harissa, but like from the Moroccan shops. Go to like the Falafel King and get our pitas. Falafel King. (laughs) They're as close to an Israeli deli as you can get. Yeah. And then um, those sort of places, it's sort of like. Well, like a healthy shop, I love to eat at a place called The Grain Shop and I get like dal rice for five pounds with loads of salad. There's lo- actually Portobello for food is pretty it's amazing. amazing. But if you want to go and splash your cash, Gold is amazing. Yeah. There's a restaurant called Gold that opened up just before, a year maybe before COVID hit. And um, yeah, that is spectacular food. 